When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We're go fly. Guidance. Guidance go. Surgeon. Go fly. Ecom. We're go fly. GNC. We're go. Tell me you. Go. Control. Go fly. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go fly. Launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. Show the Dominator. What is the Dominator? The Dominator. The d- Dominator. That's right. What's this, Billy? This is a new show, man. This is a a high stakes show. A partnership. I I'm excited. Are you excited, Billy? I'm so excited, man. I mean, this is this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> Woo! Public announcement. New show alert! New show alert! Get the yeah, public I'm excited. I think that's uh, suffice it to say. Uh, you're going to lay it out. You're going to lay it out for the people right here. You're going to lay it out for them to play it out. I am. I, we are excited to announce a partnership between Player Profiler and the FFWC. Uh, we are going to be relaunching, formerly known as the Online Championship, to the Player Profiler Championship. And what is this contest? This contest is a high-stakes contest. It's going to be $349 to enter, or you can get a three-pack and save $100. Total league prizes are going to be $2,525 in league prizes, $50,000 grand prize. And on top of that, the podfather himself is throwing in a league winner bonus. That's right. 2022 Player Profile League Champions will receive... A all-in fantasy package, a value of $135, which unlocks full access to all, all of them, all the premium fantasy features that can be found at playerprofiler.com. For 2023. Yeah, next year. And, and the beauty about this contest is you have four times, four, throw up the fingers here, four times the chance at winning $50,000 versus other national contests. How is and that possible? It's it breaks down to the amount of entries. There's only one thousand two hundred entries, a hundred leagues. So you have mm. a real shot at the fifty grand, and it is a twenty round draft. Starting lineup requirements are going to be one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one team kicker. That's the benefit. Love team kicker, not 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 the actual name. So if the kicker goes down, if you have the team kicker, doesn't matter. Thank you, thank you, one for the team kicker. Thank oh, you. It's such a difference. Just thank you. Thank you, Billy. Was this your idea? No, not my idea. That was that was the that's the beauty about this. That was the that was the players' idea because the players vote on all the rule changes, all of the implements that are going to be happening for the following year. Everything is voted on by the players, which is one of the huge, uh, you know, just one of the biggest benefits of the site. 
Then on top of the rush requirements, you have one defensive special team and the two flex positions, which can be a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end. And of course, it's PPR format. Um, and then you can we, we we don't need to jump into like how the weeks work out. But if you go over to um, the site, there's going to be the link's going to be down inside the show sheets here. Um, join join there. Take a look at the format. You can see how the schedules break down too. But everyone's thinking it. How much can I win in league prizes? Right. I said it earlier, $2,525 in league prizes. We pay out the most in league prizes across the industry. Best record gets 200 bucks back. Most points gets 200 bucks back. And then if you're league champion, you get $1,300 or that's cash, cash money in the bank. Or you can take a credit for a world championship entry, which is valued at $1,825. And then runner up gets $300 cash. On top of it, that league champion also gets the league winner bonus for the all-in fantasy package at Player Profile, which we said earlier. And we're drafting in Vegas, the World Championships. Yeah, you can do live in Vegas. You can do online as well if you want to draft in your boxers at home, naked. Sure. I don't care. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. But we're going to be in Vegas, you and I. You're going to have a table there. Uh, there's going to be some more announcements to come for that and that specific table with you in the future, not not being announced today. So that means you have to show up every week to find out what that announcement is. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be having fun in Vegas, having cocktails, drafting. What else could you want? It's it's going to be a great time, dude. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We were just in Vegas for the draft. I mean, I want to go back. We are in the <laughs> stadium swim. Like We're going to be back. Before you know it, Vegas, you thought you were rid of me. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just there's a lot of exciting things. There's a lot of exciting new enhancements too. So not only are we going to have giveaways, a lot of these these shows we do mostly on Wednesdays, Wednesday evening show, uh, and the podcast drops a day or two later. And not only are we going to have giveaways during the live show, but you're constantly developing new features. Like there are some things you were talking about to make people's lives easier with fab bidding with a bunch of different things. You're just enhancing the experience of the high stakes fantasy gamer because a lot of these people, they're in a lot of leagues, man, and you appreciate that because you've been in their shoes for so long. Now that you're on the other side, you have this appreciation for the week to week grind that it takes to take down these titles and you're trying to streamline the process for people. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this partnership with you all, because I could see the product roadmap that you had laid out. And I was like, Oh, this, this is, this is good. This is a great experience. Yeah. I, as a, as a player first, like I always tell people I'm a player first, high stakes player. I grind out. You said lots of leagues, right? We're talking hundreds and plus. And I wanted to make my life easier. I'm not, I'm, there's a little selfishness here. I'm not going to lie, right? Make my life easier. But also, I know in turn that's going to help every other player that's playing on the site as well because these tools that we're implementing and the changes that we're making are not only just making the site better, but it's going to make your life easier as a player. I mean, it's going to save literally hours of time for the mass drafters and for the high stakes grinders who have, you know, 50, 100, 200 leagues. And so these type of changes are just, huge i mean it, it really is a game changer in my opinion my goal is to take this thing to the absolute top right the fantasy football world championships to the mountain of high stakes fantasy gaming that's I mean, that's the goal it's in the name buddy that's the goal i mean it it, it, it it's in the name let's is there an announcement don't you have a, an announcement 
about a release that's happening? Yeah, so uh, this is the teaser, right? This is the first first teasing report that we are releasing the live schedule tonight. This We wanted to announce it here on the show to, uh, at first. And then the live drafting schedule for the Player Profiler Championship goes live on the site tonight. So keep your eyes peeled. Again, go down into the show notes down below. Click on the link there. Register. See when the drafts are happening. Uh, because it's been slow drafts up until this point. But we're June. It's It's now drafting season. Like now it's not just the diehards. Now it's now it's the masses, the tourists. Everyone is in and they're ready to draft. And now we have that live schedule so we can take a look and see what, what's going on. Is it June? <laughs> Today, June 1st. Oh, wow. It is. I just checked my fake watch. Yeah. Wow. Is it? Is it real? Is it? Is it? It. It is. It's June. Oh, it's on, man. It's draft time. Dude, fantasy season has commenced. Officially. So let's. Let's talk about some drafting. Let's talk about some some players. Absolutely. I guess I, I guess to start, you know, the thing I always I always ask the uh, the best players is uh, roster construction. When you're going into a draft, regardless of your draft position, what's going through your head in terms of how you want to construct the roster, how you want to put together the building blocks? Yeah, I think this answer has two parts to it. I think one. First and foremost, it depends on the volume that you're playing at. If you're doing one of these, three of these, five of these, you're going to be a little bit more conservative in your build. You're not going to get as crazy or wild as someone like myself would be who's going to have 100 plus of these 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 drafts. So I think that um, looking first and foremost at your budget, looking at your plan, and then, then deciding what your budget allows you to do in terms of roster construction, that's the first step. Two, once you have that plan, let's just say that it's going to be um, the the first, like the one through three or the one through five drafts, right? So, because that's going to be where the masses are playing. I'd say when I'm looking at roster construction, you don't want to be chasing positions. There's there's a point to where you can push players down. Like I'm a person who's going to push quarterback down. Like yes. You can have an early quarterback if you're an early quarterback guy. Sure, go for it. Not my not my cup of tea. But you even do it in superflex. Yep. So super flex, I'll push it as well, right? I'll push it to the max. So I always feel like winning rosters in general, you look at rosters from last year, like for instance, Joe Burrow was on a ton of winning rosters because he had that late round stretch, but he was going in late rounds, like he was going like rounds 10, 11, 12 in some scenarios. And when he came on hot, I mean, when you're able to draft positional players above quarterbacks and maximize your point outputs, that's when you're going to start taking leagues by storm and maximizing your points. So in roster construction, I'm typically pushing quarterback. Uh, to, I'm pushing tight end at FFWC with it being non-tight end premium. Oh, thank you, by the way, for not throwing in that tight end premium <laughs> arbitrary <laughs> like rule twist so that uh, uh, we can just go by – the ADPs that we have laid out, we don't have to have a separate ADP structure and have a whole separate cheat sheet just for this particular format. Thank you, Billy. You're welcome. Yeah, not again, not not my idea, but it was voted on by the masses. No tight end premium. Again, the votes matter. I think I would vote for no tight end premium. It, it, yeah, exactly. Right. And it just it just simplifies things. And in my opinion, uh, it it creates less variance, right? You're not getting as lucky with a tight end spike week with, you know, a six, seven catch tight end week where you're getting one and a half points per reception. So this, this removes the variance and, and really 
focuses on roster construction in general. Uh, like I said earlier, it's a three wide receiver start. So like I'm, I'm early and often I'm focusing wide receivers because next thing you know, like you have two flex positions. So technically you can start five receivers and at the position that has the most variance, you want to have depth at that position, especially come by weeks and injuries. Like I'm constructing my roster in a point to where I can constantly have five solid wide receivers that can be flexed in or started on a weekly basis. So there's, there's like, we could sit here and talk about hours and hours and hours about roster construction, uh, because it is that important. And I, I would highly suggest you doing research on it, diving in deeper into the league settings and making sure that you fully understand the format, because that's where it starts is inside the format. And then from there, constructing a roster and, and you can do, um, mock drafts, whatever you want to do to help kind of cement your, your ideology on your roster construction. But I ultimately it's going to take practice and repetition. You're not going to draft more than two stud running backs, are you? Depends. I mean, I've had drafts where, I mean, again, I'm doing 100 plus of these. I've had where I've started four straight running backs, or I've done drafts where I have, you know, zero running backs, and I, I go with a, you know, a, a zero running back build where I'll do anchor. I mean, I'm going all over the place, but um, I, I, if you're doing three of these, I wouldn't recommend doing four running backs straight, right? Especially in a three wide receiver start. But I think anchor RB is the safest if you're not a volume drafter. Exactly. And that's my preferred method in general is anchor running back. You get that one that you can hang your hat on and then you take some late stabs at running backs later. You're you're drafting a bunch of backups. You're drafting a bunch of uh, handcuffs or you're drafting a bunch of PPR backs that are going to help your chances of, of landing a tournament, you know, $50,000 prize. Um, that's my preferred method. Again, there's more than one way to skin the cat and win a championship. Of course. And and I think that um, ultimately it's left upon you as the drafter to decide what you're one comfortable with two uh, able to do. I helped to coin the term hero RB. You know that I did. I like it <laughs> here, here. Hero RB. Now, what about the idea that if you're going to be potentially starting five wide receivers, the theory that you would go cup or Jefferson over McCaffrey Taylor? Cupper Jefferson over McCaffrey and Taylor. I, I wouldn't do it. I would take, I mean, I, I, I'm, I mean, you can, I'm still taking, I like my anchor running back build. I'm, I'm a running back guy. I mean, you know, I was third in the fantasy pros accuracy at running backs. It's kind of in the motto, right? It's like I I'm drafting running backs. Well, that's interesting. So you're also catering to your own strength. Sometimes we get, we get so ideological about these builds that you forget about analyzing yourself. Are you better at scouting running backs? Or are you better at evaluating wide receivers? You're better at evaluating running backs, so cater to your own strengths. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to miss less or at least smaller. It's like horseshoes, right? It's only close in horseshoes and grenades. Like I feel like running backs, if you miss big, it's bad, right? Where I feel like you can re you can get value later at running backs as well, but as long as you're able to identify the talent. And if you miss on Christian McCaffrey, if he does have this catastrophic injury, because that's the only way, right? When he's healthy, he's putting up 25-plus fantasy points every single game, sometimes without even scoring touchdowns. He's that good. If you go and you push the button on Christian McCaffrey, don't feel bad if something happens. You can't feel bad. That's not a, that's not a miss. That's just you swinging as hard as you can, trying to win... $50,000 with the best fantasy asset the last five years. The guy that is the true 
difference maker, the true leverage play in all of fantasy football. You should never feel bad about pushing the button on Christian McCaffrey. No, I mean, it, it, you look at I look at ceiling plays, right? Especially when you're talking about uh, trying to win a grand prize and ceiling is what matters in these like it, second place, third place. It doesn't pay out nearly as much as the fifty thousand dollars. And even in league prizes, you look at the the league prize, the three hundred versus the thirteen hundred. Right. Uh, it's like, thanks. I I am trying to win the grand prize. So I'm swinging for the fences. And when you have someone like as as uh, electric as Christian McCaffrey, I'm sorry, Jonathan Taylor. But if a healthy Christian McCaffrey is getting the workload that he's getting, he's probably finishing as running back one because of the amount of upside he has, the amount of touches he's going to get and his usage in the passing game. So. I love Christian McCaffrey. I've been taking him pretty much whenever he falls to me. Like I've taken him at two. I've taken him at five. I've I've seen him go at seven. Like it's he's gone all over the place because people have recent biases in in their head and and they've you know been burned by him two years in a row. And so I I get it. I don't care. I I try to remove the emotion from fantasy when I'm drafting. It's like a business, right? You want to remove emotion from the equation and you want to look at it from a bottom line perspective. And you're trying to help you know, boost your bottom line or re- get your best ROI. And I look at that and say Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of the best ways to do that. All right, so that's a counterintuitive move. That's against consensus to go McCaffrey over Taylor, for example. That's a move that you could do. You could. Nothing wrong with that. I would do it, especially if there's a tournament format. If I'm just trying to take down a league, okay, go Jonathan Taylor. If you're trying to take down a tournament – then you want to swing as hard as you possibly can from the heels, and that's more Christian McCaffrey. What about, by the same token, Jefferson over Cup? I'm taking Jefferson over Cup anyways. I'm already doing it. Right, so that's easier to justify. What you're saying is it's easier to justify Jefferson over Cup than it is, say, McCaffrey over Taylor. Well, yeah, and I think there's something that is a very important piece that we haven't said that that needs to be addressed is – Although I'm swinging for the fence, and although I think that McCaffrey has much better upside than Jonathan Taylor this year, Jonathan Taylor is the consensus 101, and he's going at 101 in 90-plus percent of drafts. So if you want Jonathan Taylor and you have the 101, you have to select Jonathan Taylor, where Christian McCaffrey will range anywhere from 101 to 106, 107 at times. So you have the ability to take McCaffrey at a later point. So again, if you're doing volume— and you have the 101, you just take Jonathan Taylor because you're not going to get that exposure to him unless you take him at 101. Where in in when you're doing more of these drafts, and even if you're doing five of these, the chances of you getting a top five pick far are, are far greater than you getting the 101. And so your ability to land McCaffrey at any one of those picks is going to be you know exponentially higher than getting Jonathan Taylor at the 101. This is why I love this show. <laughs> this is why because I'm not a volume drafter. I'm the pod father, man. I'm running a <laughs> sprawling enterprise. Right? I'm not in a position to volume draft. I would love to. One day, man, one day I'm going to join you as a volume drafter, but not for a while. For now, I'm going to pick my spots. I'm going to be in five to ten leagues, right? And you'll see me drafting at the FFWC, absolutely, but not a hundred leagues. It's just not possible. So... I'm going to come at this show and talk about the perspective of someone who wants to play but isn't going to be volume drafting. And then you're going to come at it from a perspective of someone with a portfolio who's thinking about exposure where that's not something that occurs to me when I'm laying things out initially. Yeah, and that's the beauty about this is that they're going to get both sides. They're going to get the 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 daily drafter and they're going to get the grinder, right? And and 
sometimes we'll look at it through the same lens, but at other times, like I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Great. Yeah. If you're doing three, but if you're doing 50, 60, 70 or more, if you want to just even diversify, then you probably should look at it from this lens because again, more than one way to skin a cat, but you know, as many ways as you can see how the puzzle is going to fit together, like the easier that puzzle is going to be to solve. Why Jefferson over cup cup had an amazing year, an amazing year, but, and there's a big, but I don't think it's repeatable. Like you now add in Allen Robinson into the equation. You, they have the toughest strength of schedule in the entire NFL. I, I think defenses will adjust as well. I mean, they had an electric year. I mean, it was arguably one of the best wide receiver performances we've ever seen. Prior to that, we hadn't seen that type of consistency from Cooper Cup. We had seen flashes, but not the consistency. Justin Jefferson, in his, in his, in his early career, has shown not only consistency, but upside. And for me, strength of schedule is easier. Uh, shootout schedule, a little tough, right? But you look at the overall schedule, I like Jefferson's schedule more. Plus, you look at the offense as a whole and and what th- this new system's going to look like. And I think we're going to see a lot more passing volume inside this offense and less running volume. So that is going to bode well for Justin Jefferson's fantasy value as well in his outlook for 2022. He's also easy to stack with Cousins. Yeah, cheaper too. Yeah, he's and I had Ike Azar on the Mind of Mansion show and – the similarities between the Rams and the Vikings are just eerie. They hired an offensive coordinator from the Rams, so they're gonna, he's going to be bringing the Rams' offensive philosophy and playbook to the Vikings. And then when you look at the advanced metrics on Stafford versus Cousins, it's like, whoa, I did not know they were so similar. Then you look at the metrics on Jefferson versus Cup, and you look at the uh, Allen Robinson versus Thielen, and Cook versus Akers. It's just like these are very similar teams it's just that the Vikings have a worse defense and an easier overall schedule, even though I agree with you, their, their shootout schedule is not great for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, fantasy playoffs, um, you look at who they got. They got the Colts, the Giants, and the Packers in the shootout. And for those who don't know, when I say shootout, what I mean, inside the player profiler championship, uh, all the league champions face each other for a total point shootout weeks 15, 16, 17. So it's like a three-week race or sprint, I should say, to the finish line of total points. And so as a as a high-stakes player, you want to have the most points that you can get possible in order to to win the grand prize. So you look at their um, their shootout schedule, and like I said, it's just pretty tough. Where you look at somebody like the Rams, and although they have a really, really tough regular season schedule – they also have a really tough shootout schedule. So they have the Packers in week 15, the Broncos in week 16, and the Chargers in week 17. So, um, you know, no injuries at this point, but that may all these may change as the season progresses. But as of right now, the information that we have today, the Rams' schedule sucks. <laughs> the Packers is brutal. Facing the Packers is absolutely brutal. Not only do they have Jair Alexander, they lost Devontae Adams, and last year, Aaron Rodgers was dead last in pace of play. They run slow. I mean, this guy comes up to the line of scrimmage and he drains all the clock every time. And then they're completing short passes, they're running the ball, and the next thing you know, you look up, and they're last in the league in plays per minute. And if the the team you're playing is playing slow, then you're not going to be able to have as many possessions and run as many plays. 
And then when you run those plays, you're running up against J.R. Alexander. It's a nightmare. It, yeah, J.R. Alexander's really good. Like, really good. Like, arguably the best cornerback in the league right now. And mm. and, and that's the only thing that, that kind of scares me with Jefferson right now is because when all the marbles count, when all the money's on the line, week 17, like, he could be shut out. But, that is scary. That is the one. That is the one concern I have about. Je- I have almost no concerns about Jefferson other than Week Seventeen. I want him facing the Chargers. So I think this is a debate that we've had, and yep. we need to come back to this because you know we had a, a prep call before the show. And we were talking about strength of schedules, and I said, "Listen, you, you you're absolutely right. The Packers are one of the worst teams to play. You don't want to play the Patriots. You don't want to play the Packers. You don't want to play teams that are." playing slow, that lack playmakers at wide receiver and have strong secondaries. <laughs> it's just this is the worst-case scenario, right? Playing the Packers, playing the Patriots. See, the nice thing about the Chargers is we know that, generally speaking, defenses are fragile, that you lose one or two pieces on defense, everything changes. Like if you lose your Pro Bowl free safety, Suddenly, what was a great pass defense crumbles. It's just one guy. It's a linchpin player. You pull that linchpin, everything changes. And over the course of a season, a lot of defensive players get hurt. The one thing that we know about the Chargers is they, unlike the Packers, they play fast. They're going to be efficient. They're going to force shootout game conditions on every team they play. And that is a friendly team to see on the schedule even if technically the defense is talented these other forces will create a shootout game environment especially especially when there's competent quarterback play on the other side so if you have a Stafford versus a Herbert you're likely to get a shootout even if there's a lot of great plays being made by the defense it ends up not mattering. It's going to be 35-32 anyway. We remember what happened with that Bills defense. They brought that 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 great defense to Kansas City, and what happened? What was that game? Was it 35-32? It was just back and forth all game. I don't remember the final score. Yeah, 31-28. It was, it was a high-scoring game, and what I like to do is just close my eyes and think about in DFS, what's the point total going to be that week? And you know when the Chargers face the Rams, it's going to be a 50-plus point total. But I also remember all those games last year where you looked up and the Packers were in a game where you thought there would be a lot of points, and then the total was 47. The total was 46. You're like, wait, this is Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, no, 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 no. The sports books see the pace of play. They know there's actually not going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So... The fragility of defenses, generally speaking, is something to be aware of when you're analyzing strength of schedule. You also need to be cognizant of when these teams face certain skull and crossbones defenses. And if if the Packers show up, if you turn that card over and, oh, there's the Packers, you turn that card over, oh, there's the Patriots, that could be the thing that bounces you, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? You can't have the perfect schedule with all of the players you draft. No, and I think that like the week 17 focus is more best ball related, right? When you look at the shootout, we're looking at a three-week race, 15, 16, 17. And there's something I forgot to mention when we were discussing this the other day off air was that we especially specifically with Cooper Cup and Jefferson, 
Cup faces Jerry Alexander week 15. So those two games negate each other, 15 and 17, right? So right. now you have to look at the other two weeks because they're both facing the same cornerback. They're both facing the same pace of play. They're both facing the same defense. They're both tan- they're both extremely talented offensive weapons. So now you say, okay, which of the other two weeks have the better schedule? And and I think that's what's left up for decide for the rest of the people. Yeah, and everyone is worried about Burrow and Chase playing the Bills in Week 17. That's not the game that worries me. The game that worries me is the week prior against the Patriots. That's the game I hate. It's not the Bills. You know there's going to be points scored in that game. Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but if you're facing Belichick, an untethered Belichick where there's no Brady, you know he wants to throw, you know McDaniels understands the most efficient way to run an offense. There's no one to check Bill Belichick's run-first play-calling tendencies now in New England, and I'm prepared for them to lead the league in run rate, unfortunately. Bill Belichick's new playbook is like A-gap left, A-gap right, B-gap left, B-gap right. (laughs) It's going to be ugly, man. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Shoot it. You're on the clock, right? It's, It's starting to get a little bit a little bit later in the draft, maybe you did go hero RB. You're trying to fortify your your running back core, and you're you're now throwing darts on running backs you believe to be good. You believe to have an all-purpose skill set with size. These are all the things we're looking for, but they're not the primary back. Either they used to be and they're not anymore, or they aspire to be, and they have a similar ADP. I'm thinking about Melvin Gordon and Ramadre Stevenson because we're talking about the Patriots. I don't want any Damian Harris this year. I mean, Damian Harris is off limits. But Ramondre Stevenson, at his cost, is more interesting. I'm always about not drafting the most expensive Patriots running back. That's been a rule of thumb for how many years? It's a good rule of thumb. And that means you lean Stevenson. However, if the dichotomy is between Gordon and Stevenson, it's close. Who you got? Uh, early drafts at the FFWC are showing Melvin Gordon is running back 37. Ramondish Stevenson is running back 36. So the ADP is back to back. There you go. Uh, as a drafter, I'm going to pick Melvin Gordon nine out of 10 times here, maybe eight out of 10 times. I, I look at what we saw in 2021 and, and, and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon saw a 50, 50 split. And yes, he was a rookie, but they re-signed him. Right. He's coming back. Is it going to be 50 50? Probably not. But it's going to be closer than people are expecting it to be. And you look at 2021 snaps. Melvin Gordon saw 32.1 snaps per game, while Williams saw 32.4. Melvin Gordon saw 47.5% of total snaps, while Javante saw 51. Then you look at the team's rushing share. Melvin Gordon, Williams saw an identical 44.6%. And this list just continues to go on and on and on and on and on. Touches per snap. Melvin Gordon got 44.9. Williams, 44.6. Fantasy points per game. Melvin Gordon, or sorry, fantasy points for the season. Melvin Gordon, 195.1. Williams, 204.9. And lastly, you look at fantasy points per 100 snaps. Melvin Gordon, 38. Williams, 37.2. You said it. I let, I'd rather take the cheaper option for the, the, the Patriots running back situation. The same could be said in this situation. Yes. You look at ADP and you say, which one is going to give you a better return on investment? Javante Williams is going in the second round right now. (laughs) It's wild. 
and you have this close of of statistical, <laughs> you know, output from 2020. And yes, it's going to be a little different, but still, you look at the comparisons between players who are going in in similar situations and similar on similar offenses. Not not maybe not too similar, but overall, what I'm trying to say is you have someone like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, right? Where they're going in rounds two and then going in round six. So a four round separation of ADP. When you have a very similar situation here with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, one's going in round two though, and one's going in round nine. Yeah. Which one are you going to pick? The guy going around nine. Yeah. Much better return on investment, in my opinion. Also, the situation, the situation. Who's in the better situation? Uh, Melvin Gordon. One guy has Russell Wilson on a team with just weapons galore. Loaded. Just loaded. Loaded. The Patriots are anything but. Oh, you got Devontae Parker, right? Oh, Kendrick Bourne had a bunch of touchdowns last year. Oh, you got Hunter Henry. Go down the board. There's no one like Sutton on the Patriots. Like, Devontae Parker is a frail shadow of what... Cortland Sutton is doesn't count he's playing four games and I, I love Jacoby Myers he ain't no Jerry Judy right even Kendrick Bourne he's not Tim Patrick you, you take Hunter Henry I like Hunter Henry he's a good solid player right he ain't no Albert Boonham, who was by many metrics the most efficient tight end in the league last year and uh, Russell Wilson versus Mac Jones child please and the Patriots are going to be, we know they're going to be bottom five in pass rate. I can tell you that right now. I mean, if I could put money on that, if that was a if that was a futures bet on Caesar's Sportsbook, Code Podfather CZR, I would put that. I would put it down. I'm like, you know what Belichick wants to do. And meanwhile, Russell Wilson's been freed of Pete Carroll, and he, like Brady, is going to a new situation where he can start to throw the ball more because he knows intuitively, like Brady, he knows intuitively the way to optimize your offense and win the most games is to turn the pace up and put as much pressure on the defense as possible. I know Russell Wilson knows this. I know he's excited to crank up the pass attempts in Denver. And it sounds counterintuitive, but I would rather have the team that's moving the ball up and down the field with pace. Absolutely than the team that's grinding clock and just running the ball down teams' throats. You're like, well, there's more carries. There's more touches in New England. You want this run-first, bully-ball approach. If you have Ramondre Stevenson, it's a it's the perfect scheme fit. It's like, yeah, but guess what? There's fewer possessions. There's fewer red zone touches. There's fewer receptions out of the backfield. Melvin Gordon is going to benefit from just the overall offensive efficiency and pace that he's going to have in Denver, where Stevenson, eh, right? That's not the right. I don't even if you're a running back. I mean, at the very least, the running back is going to benefit most from a run first offense. I get it, but you would rather be in a faster paced, higher octane offense, and that's Melvin Gordon. Dude, you impress me. I can't believe you tried to even pronounce Albert O.K.'s name. Like I wouldn't even. I oh, wouldn't Albert even, I wouldn't even attempted that. Yeah. Why? Why not? I've screwed it up so many times. I've screwed up all these names so many times. I screw up. I screw up some really easy names. I just call him A OK. Like, nope, I'm not even trying. The, the one name I always get right is Tony Pollard. That, yeah. that that's a name I know. That's a guy I like. 
But see, you also were getting a lot of Zeke. I was looking back through some of your boards. Yes. I saw you getting a bunch of Zeke, but I think we're at a point where the ADP, you think it's fully corrected with Zeke because he's moved up about 10 slots. I, I think it's going to continue to correct. I don't think we're fully to a point where he's going to kind of peak out, uh, especially you have to think we are starting to see more drafters come in right now. It's been the grinders. It's been the, the diehards through, you know, I was drafting in January. I was like my first draft started the week before the Super Bowl, And then Love it. here, here we are now it's June. We're starting to see more faces join rooms. We're starting to see, we, once we get into August, we call it tourist season, right? All the tourists come in and do their, their weekend draft and their, their, their and, and, and they have their beverages. Have you seen this guy in there yet? Yeah, I think so. He's in there. <laughs> Take advantage, everybody. He's in there. So once we get into tourist season, right, where, where the daily drafters are out in full force, that's when Zeke will start to climb up boards more, I think. Because what is he? He's a household name. People are familiar with Ezekiel Elliott. So early drafters get the benefit of, you know, uncorrected average draft position right now. Because everyone's going to go and look at charts and they're going to look at, you know, his fantasy finishes and say, oh, he finishes running back seven last year, which is great. You know, he had 237 attempts for a thousand, you know, in two yards and 10 touchdowns. That's great. And he won you, you know? exactly nothing. And, and, but you know, he, and I, I like him more than, than, than most people who are drafting right now because of the role that's there, the offense that's here. I mean, you look at this offense, Oh, this offense, the offense oh. is great. It's literally the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL, like the easiest number 32 and strength, strength of schedule. They have the ninth most vacated targets in the NFL with 205. 32.23% of their target shares available for grabs. And Ezekiel Elliott had 47 catches last year. So he is involved in the, in, in the passing game. You look at his weeks one through five. He was on a tear last year in the beginning of the season. Like he was running back five through the first five weeks. Towards PCL. Yep. And so he got injured. And so people look at it and say, oh man, he, he fell apart. He didn't, he didn't play well. But I look at this and say, hey, had he sat out and he got and healed up, like, look at Derrick Henry right now. Like, these ADPs could be swapped. Like, if if Derrick Henry tried to play, I mean, he's not playing through that foot injury, but if he if he came back earlier and then sucked down the stretch, mm. he'd be down draft boards right now instead of in round one to the round two turn. Like, Zeke Elliott played through the injury. Had he just sat out, where would he be in drafts right now? Do you think if he just said, hey, I'm injured, I'm going to sit out the final six weeks, do you think he'd be in round three? Probably. It's a great point. My concern is that he played the entire season on a torn ligament and those injuries rarely fully heal. If you play the season out on the injury, the scar tissue builds up around them and it doesn't heal clean when you get that off season surgery, Michael Thomas, you know, he, he would say, Hey, I, I should have, I, I should have gone right in for the surgery right away. I fucked up. Right. So th this has happened. I've, I've heard Martellus Wiley talk about this. He thought he had a torn groin, but it was actually uh, his abdominal wall was separating yeah. with every with every game that he played, and he was never the same. He lost his explosiveness because of it. So that is a concern. I just think, given their cost, given their roles, given the upside, I'd rather have Pollard at cost. Yeah, it, Pollard's going cheaper. I mean, you can get him much later in drafts. Six going as... Zeke's going running back 20 right now. He's going to continue to climb. He'll probably settle into that 13th or 16 range is my guess. Um, and that point, yeah, at that point, you guys start looking at other options. Right now, you know, 
I'm going to take the discount. And then once we get into tourist season, I'll start to, I'll start to adjust and I'll start to, to, to fade. He's moved up enough where I'm out even at this ADP. I'm not an Ezekiel Elliott guy. I'm not a Derrick Henry guy. I don't like drafting running backs past the AJ Pecks. That's just what I am. That's how I'm wired. You have to have very little wear and tear on the tires. I mean, Eckler, Aaron Jones, satellite back plus running backs have a couple extra years where they can be explosive. But I am I am concerned about Ezekiel Elliott and now is the this is the time, man. This is the time. Tony Pollard is at his absolute zenith. He's at the AJ Apex. There's no one behind him. Most running backs miss multiple games every season with injuries. And the Dallas Cowboys, man. The Dallas Cowboys are special. They are special because even though they were near the top of the league in positive game scripts because they were getting all those turnovers and they had all that field position and they were incentivized to run the ball, they didn't have to throw. But what did they do? What did they do that Aaron Rodgers did not do last year? They played fast even so. They played fast even so. How does that happen? You're completing passes. You're not stopping the clock. You're running the ball. You're not stopping the clock. And you're still running all these plays. You're near the top of the league in plays per minute. How is that possible? You're getting to the line of scrimmage and you're going. You're getting to the line of scrimmage and you're going. And that's not just Dak. That's also Kellen Moore. You need to have this coordination between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator that they're getting the play in fast. And then Dak is calling the play fast. And they're getting going. And there's an appreciation for the pace. It would be different if they were down, if they had negative game scripts last year and they were in comeback mode a bunch and they were in all these shootouts. They weren't. They weren't. The schedule betrayed Dak, betrayed Lamb, betrayed uh, Amari Cooper last year. The schedule betrayed most of these Cowboys. It was too easy. It was too easy, Billy. Now (laughs) I look up. And they're playing the Chargers, and then they're playing Tampa, and then they're playing the Bengals, and then they're going to probably have some some interdivision games against the Giants and Washington where they're going to want to run the score up, and then they go face the Rams, and then it's just one after another. The Vikings game. What's that game total going to be? Is that going to be a 55-point total? Vikings, Cowboys? Hell Yeah. Pollard's going as running back 33 right now through through May uh, in FFWC drafts. So uh, 13 draft of uh, 13 positional picks later. But but they have one of the teams you don't want to face in the playoffs. Their shootout schedule is good. They get the Titans. That secondary is one of the worst in the league. They get the Jaguars. But there is the fly in the ointment. Just like we have a Patriots fly in the ointment, right with the Bengals. There's a fly in the ointment. There's the Philadelphia Eagles, where they had major investments on the defensive yeah. side of the ball this offseason, and they are a run-first team. And they play them tough. Inter- those interconference games are just tough in general. It's not great. The, the only saving grace is that it's a home game for Dallas. Thank God that Week 16 game is at home. Yes, I agree. Schedule talk, man! <laughs> schedule talk! How about that schedule talk? How about them Cowboys? I love I love schedule talk. I like just oh. sitting down with a beard talking about the NFL schedule and then 
you know, what, what can happen. And I love just going back and looking at my early analysis and saying, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? And where can I improve? Right. It's just one of those things every year I look at and it's, it's a reflection process. And Alan Soslowski's in the chat disagreeing with me, saying that the post-Apex running backs are the best values. And I have to agree with him on Leonard Fournette. Mm, Leonard yep. Fournette oh. is a value, but, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is the quintessential post-Apex back. I can't do it. I can't do it with Zeke, really, at this ADP. But I'm happy to draft Eckler. I'm happy to, happy to draft Aaron Jones, as we've said. I'm also smashing Fournette at the 2-3 turn. Yeah, Fournette's going to have a big year. What are we doing? What are we doing? This fat Lenny slander has reverberated for years. What are we doing? I saw him go at 112 the other day. Finally. <laughs> it's He's going to climb. It's going to happen. Finally. Yes. See, that's the thing. That's going to correct. That's one that I know is going to correct. As the weeks go on, we're going to start to see him, you know, incrementally move up in the second round. And I think he's going to pass Javante Williams. What I think is going to happen is you're going to see Leonard Fournette creep up into the early second, and you're going to see Javante fall into the third round. There's no way Javante, there's too many dynasty leaguers drafting right now pushing up Javante Williams ADP once the true seasonal OGs get in here and the dynasty leaguers aren't as high of a percentage of the drafters you're gonna see Javante fall Javante's not a second round pick what what is that we're already starting to see that trend I mean we're those those scales now are already swaying, right? Fournette is already starting to pass Javante in drafts. It's it's not every draft, but it's starting to be a little bit more consistent. And 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 that's ever since the Melvin Gordon uh, re-signing when when that tide kind of changed. But duh, I mean they signed Melvin Gordon. Like what? it's like the news came out, guys. They signed Melvin Gordon. I was saying all offseason, like, I'm not taking Javante in round one. Like, they're going to sign somebody or they're going to re-sign Melvin Gordon, and it, he's going to drop a round or two, and then that's when you draft Javante. If you want to get shares of him, wait. And that's here we are. Like, hope you waited. <laughs> Keep waiting. He's going to be a third rounder. Allen Robinson just skyrocketing. Starting to climb up boards. I mean, he came on with the Rams. You know, Bob Woods was was traded. Yeah, last year was his worst, arguably one of his worst finishes as wide receiver 81 in PPR leagues. But you look back in 2020, you know, and in previous, like 2019, wide receiver 8, 2016, wide receiver 24, 2015, wide receiver 6. Like he has had consistent, you know, top end finishes. And now he gets like the best quarterback of his life. Like he has had some of the worst quarterbacks that you could possibly imagine any ever. wide receiver could ever have in their career. Like Blake Bortles, like it was like arguably his best quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Nick Foles. Yeah. And now he gets, now he gets Stafford, the gunslinger. Mike Glennon. Yeah. I, I'm excited for him. Like this is, I know he's getting older, but he's finally at a point in his career where he doesn't have to be the number one. Right. He can be the number two behind Cooper Cup. He's not going to be taking on Jerry Alexander in the in the shootout week. Right. That's going to be Cooper Cup. So a Rob's going to get the second defender. 
And what does that mean? That means he's going to be open more. He's going to get more chances to be to get the ball. And he's going to have the best quarterback of his career. So I think, you know, I'm starting to draft a lot more Allen Robinson. I was a little gun shy prior to the signing. Just wasn't sure what was going to happen. But once he signed and knew where he was going, I started drafting immediately. My favorite stat is the following. Odell Beckham with Cleveland last year, no touchdowns. Zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love this stat. Yeah. Odell Beckham. <laughs> In Los Angeles, seven touchdowns. <laughs> it's like seven to zip. That's the yeah. difference. I can't wait. I'm so happy for him, man. I mean, the guy's been suffering. It's like him and DJ Moore. Like, I hope he calls DJ Moore. He's like, hey, man, just keep grinding, buddy. It's like there's 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 light at the end of this tunnel. You can do it. Zeke has corrected and I'm out. Allen Robinson has corrected him. I'm in. I'm still in. Gimme, yeah. gimme, gimme. Pittman has corrected as well. That's that's the big heartbreak, I think. Of all the heartbreaking ADP corrections the last month, Pittman is a bummer, man. I'm sad. I went back and looked at my February draft boards. I got Pittman at 704 in the draft. Mm. 704. He's now going in round three in drafts. Wide receiver 16 off the boards. And I mean, it's rightfully so. I mean, he, he gets... Yeah. a all, you know, a, a good quarterback, Matt Ryan comes over. So last year, even with the quarterbacks that he had 88 for 1,082 yards and six scores. But this is the thing that people overlook, like his weekly finishes. Right. And he was week nine last year, wide receiver 12 week two last year, wide receiver eight week eight last year. Or sorry, wide receiver, not eight in week seven last year, wide receiver 14 in week five, wide receiver 13 week two. Like he's just going to build upon that with a better quarterback as as defenses start loading up the box more to kind of to, to contain Jonathan Taylor, like now they have to worry about that beast in the backfield. And now and now he's got someone that's comp- competent that can get him the ball. And then you look at it, vacated targets, 171 vacated targets for this offense. 15th most in the league, 34.13% of target share is available. 124 of those at the wide receiver position. What do people love about playerprofiler.com? Just the immense amount of free stats. Like, I have to go pay hundreds of dollars over here to get these stats. Player Profiler has them for free. We are charting every single route run by every wide receiver and determining whether or not they won on that route or not. Did they gain separation and make themselves available to the quarterback on that route? Every route against man coverage, against zone coverage, and we break it down. Michael Pittman. 51.3% win rate on his routes that was top five in the NFL last year. That's a lot. He is, by definition, a quality route runner. That's what that metric shows you. And the sample size is big enough, right? He's running 500-plus routes, okay? This isn't a small sample problem. Oh, there's only... You know, 100 targets. No, 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 no. no. These are routes run. Yeah. Right? That's the equivalent of a full professional baseball season where a guy's going to have 500-plus at-bats. And you can have some pretty strong takeaways after that full season of at-bats. Well, you can have some strong takeaways if you're tracking 500-plus routes and he's top five in the league. And then you look up and he's 6'4". 223 pounds. He's got a 94th percentile speed score. He doesn't even need it all. Like, he doesn't need to be 
one of the best technicians. He doesn't need to be Keenan Allen. He has athleticism as well on the outside. Well, he just has that prototypical X build too. Like he's six foot four, two hundred twenty-three pounds. Like, who does this remind you of? Right? Julio Jones was six three, two twenty. Who are they going to throw to in the red zone? I mean, you look back and and now Matt Ryan has that similar frame that he's used to throwing to over his entire career. And Michael Pittman has, I mean, yeah, you know, Alec Pierce is there now and they have. <laughs> Come on. Paris Campbell, man. Paris Campbell's getting buzz. Paris Campbell's hopefully healthy this There's year. Some buzz. Right? He's got some gadget buzz. So I've always liked Paris Campbell. Hopefully this is the year. Gadget buzz. But the, you know, I look at Pittman and just say, he has, again, best quarterback he's had probably. And he's going to succeed again this year. He was wide receiver. What was he, 16? Oh, I can't remember. What was he? What was he, wide receiver 16 last year, I think? 17? Wide receiver 17 last year. So I, I, sky's the limit for Pittman this year. Wide receiver one. He's going to be a top 12 wide receiver the way things are going. And fantasy yep. drafters have figured this out, man. And it's heartbreaking. He's hard to get. And once you get in the third round, it's like, oh, man. Right? But I, that was my favorite where the moment happened that Pittman passed Waddle. That was beautiful. That was like, okay, I have hope. I have hope. <laughs> right? This is how things should be. Yes. Right? You have one guy who's the undisputed number one wide receiver on his team. He just doesn't have that Alabama buzz, that brand. Right? He didn't go to Alabama under Nick Saban, get top ten draft capital. Right? And, and Stuff that doesn't matter. He does the things that matter. And that's what I like about the fantasy offseason, that as the weeks go by, the things that matter will bubble up, and, and you'll see the ADPs correct. It's fascinating to watch. It's like Travis Etienne. Like, he was one of the best college running backs of all time. Of all time. And he had an injury that no one can play through. Okay? So maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt that you're giving to, oh, I don't know, a guy that had a foot injury, Derrick Henry. I mean, I think he just wanted to sit out there in my year, too. I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean... If you had to pick a year to sit, that was the year to do it. was a great year to sit out. <laughs> Poor Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You look at the... Like, I love ETN, and I'm drafted... I, I pushed him up a board last night in a draft that I had with my draft partner, Dave Hubbard. And, uh, I mean, we, we took him, you know, a full round above ADP because we knew he wasn't coming back to us because we were on, on, the 12, on the 12 spot on the turn. And we just... We know he's not making it back, so we're going to take him. See, see, it's those moves. It's those moves that supercharge an ADP. You're yeah. that guy. You're that guy. That's how it happens. It's people that are on the turn, and they know they're not going to get him, and they just can't stomach not getting him, so they have to go get him. Yep, I'll take him in a round, round and a half early. I don't care. It, it makes sense for my roster. I'm going to take him. And so through May, FFWC, running back 22 through May, and ETN, you said it, one of the best college running backs I mean, spectacular. How how is how is this possible that that he that, that, that he was at Clemson? It wasn't like he was Ladanian Tomlinson at TCU. This dude was at Clemson. How is he not getting the same treatment, the benefit of the doubt that these Alabama guys get, that other Clemson players get, that Ohio State guys get? It's weird. Well, not just that, but like he has he, he's coming off injury, right? And people are 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 just forgetting about how good he was because it's a year later. So good, uh, but but people forget how good of a pass catcher he is. And elite. And you and you look at this team, and I've mentioned vacated targets time and time again. I'm going to continue to mention it because it's something I I truly follow and believe in. But 118 vacated targets in this team, 
you can add in, I'm sorry, vacated carries on this team. 163 vacated targets on this team. 27.86% of the target shares available. If James Robinson starts the season on the pup because he's coming off major injury, that opens up another 164 carries available. So, I I mean, ETN, before everything's said and done, I would not be surprised to see him around three or four. Absolutely. I'm still pushing the button on ETN. I think I'm right at my threshold with Pittman. Still bullish on Robinson, still bullish on ETN. I'm getting to my threshold as well with one uh, CD Lamb. His ADP's way up, man. It's surging. I, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'll take him in round one, and I'll take him at number five overall. <laughs> I will. <laughs> He's probably my wide receiver three in the year, maybe four. I haven't finalized my rankings, but I'm going to take him that early, and I don't care what people say or do. He doesn't have a track record anywhere close to that, Billy. You know what? Everyone can be a track star one year. I mean, this, this is not a typical... Can I just explain this to you? This is not a typical high-stakes move. Most high-stakes players that I've talked to, they want a wide receiver, any player, to show them that they have that kind of ceiling potential in a given year. They, they could go back a couple of years and like, hey, I've seen it, right? I believe in it. Or, like an ETN... Like, we saw it in college, and we can rationalize away the fact that we haven't seen it yet at the NFL level. CeeDee Lamb's now two years in, and we haven't seen a ceiling anything remotely close to that. But you're not going to win a tournament following the masses. You're not going to separate yourself from the field by following ADP. You're going to separate yourself by taking a stand and by differentiating yourself from the field. And that's where I'll do it. I'll differentiate myself and I'll take CeeDee Lamb earlier than people because I believe in the talent. Yes, he hasn't shown it yet, but he has all the skills necessary to succeed. He's on the offense, the strength of schedule. He has the quarterback. He has the pace of play that you mentioned earlier. You talk about – it's not like he was a chump last year. 79 receptions, 1,100 yards, and six scores. Then you add in all the vacated targets from Amari Cooper gone, ninth most in the NFL, 205, 32% of the team's target shares available, 180 at the wide receiver position. Some people need to have it spelled out for them. I, I'm not that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one who's writing it and telling you take CD Lamb now because you, if you wait till the, if you wait until draft season and then all of a sudden he booms and blows up, you, you don't have him on your roster. So if you want him, you're gonna have to start taking him early. He's gonna climb up boards. I'm already seeing him going round one, I, and I think he's gonna continue to climb because people are smart and they're gonna continue to see the amount of options and availability he has or his opportunities, I should say, in this offense because. This this is it. He's in a prime situation. The situation is as good as it'll ever be for any receiver ever. <laughs> People want to see it, right? Let's look back at his his weekly finishes. He has three exceptionally good finishes. Week one, wide receiver thirteen. Week six, wide receiver one. Week ten, wide receiver three. It's there. Now you subtract out Amari Cooper out of the equation. You add in Gallup, who's recovering from a knee injury. You have a rookie Tolbert. You James Washington. He's going to get peppered. Gallup's not going to be back until mid-season. Possibly, yeah, he might be, he might be pup candidate. He's not a pup. He's going to be on the pup. You can write that down. So he's competing versus a rookie Tolbert in a in a in a signing with James Washington. So the only familiar face is the two running backs and and Schultz. I'm I'm signed up all day for Ceedee Lamb. I'm also signed up for Schultz and Pollard and Tolbert and this whole team. <laughs> imagine, imagine if, imagine if a, a year removed. 
full healthy offseason, year removed from the injury now, and a full healthy offseason. Imagine Dak Prescott pulling the ball down and running for a few touchdowns. That could happen too. It, the, the rushing Dak isn't dead either. This this dude, dude the, the, these lamb these lamb Dak stacks are are pretty sexy. Oh, they're great because Dak can be had for cheap right now too. Sex. He's going. He's going so late that it doesn't make sense to me right now. But I'm not. I don't want to keep talking about that because I'm going to continue to take the ADP. But you look at Sex. Lamb right now. And Lamb is climbing up boards. <laughs> subliminal messaging. Subliminal messaging. I know it's just sex. <laughs> CD Lamb right now is going as wide receiver six, climbing up boards, climbing oh, up drafts. Climbing, now. climbing, and, and you're to blame. And and he's, I mean, he's now going ahead of players like Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, Mike. I mean, Mike Evans. He was always going around the same area, but he, he, there's only five of the receivers above him. And I think when everything is said and done, I've seen him go ahead of Jefferson once or twice, but it's not consistent. Those are the people being bold, right? But I can see him consistently climb, and we're going to see it. Like Devontae Adams will be behind Ceedee Lamb at the end of the season in draft boards. I can't push the button on Adams. It's too much nope. uncertainty. Can't either. Can't. Can't do it. That's the show. Let's take a question from the stream. Two guys I can't hit the button on. James Conner and Cam Akers. Is there something I'm missing? That's from Matt K. It's a great name, Matt K. Are you asking us questions? Oh, well, well, that would be some <laughs> next level <laughs> host work. The next question is from Billy M. <laughs> <laughs> or we could throw William just to throw everyone off. Um, Will M. <laughs> Will M. Will I am him? Um, I, I I can't pull the triggers on Acres yet. I, he's at least correcting now. He was going at like the one two turn in the beginning of drafts after this, like around the Super Bowl time. Uh, he's starting to go into like round three, round four at times. He's starting to settle in around four more. I'm pulling the trigger there. Um, Connor climbed up boards drastically after Edmonds was was shipped to, uh, or should say, signed with Miami. Uh, Connor was great down the stretch, but the signing of 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 uh, Daryl Williams, I think, definitely hurts his ceiling more. Now, had they not signed him and they were going to roll out there with Ingram and with Eno Benjamin, I would have been a lot higher on on uh, Connor. And by all means, I'm higher than the masses on Connor just because pace of play, how well he did in red zone packages. He was using third down down the stretch. So I think Connor, I, I'm definitely going to draft him. But again, strength of schedule, third hardest strength of schedule in the second hardest strength of schedule in the NFL, only behind the Rams. This team could very well be fucked this year. <laughs> Good. That's another problem. That is a problem. And he is right there with Zeke. These are the poster child post apex running backs that I do not draft. I just want more juice, more explosiveness from my running backs that are being drafted in that area third, fourth, fifth round, I want an ETN archetype. I don't want David Montgomery. I don't want James Conner. I don't want Ezekiel Elliott. I want some juice! don't want James Conner. I don't want Ezekiel Elliott. I want some juice! I want explosiveness! Yeah, I'd rather have Saquon Barkley in this area. Give me right. freaking 
Saquon, man! What are we talking about? I'd rather have Saquon. I'd rather have, you know, Fournette. And Fournette was going really close to this area a while ago, but now it's it's corrected, right? Fournette's going early. Oh, yes. And, and Allen, by the way, Allen, I can only draft so many post-Apex running backs. I've already listed three. That's a record of post-Apex running backs I'm willing to draft, Allen. One more question you said, me too. No, that's it. No, there, there, there were there were two questions. There was a there was a sort of a multi-part question. William doesn't have a question. Say goodbye to the stream. Bye, everybody. Bye, stream. <laughs> hey, you like that video? Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out PlayerProfiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator. And don't forget the player rankings to rule them all. That's a wrap. Awesome, buddy. Tight show. It turned out good for the first one. I think we fucking killed it. If I don't say so myself. Yeah, the chemistry was there. If I don't mind to have to say it. I mean, we, it was tight. I think we we pivoted. I think I I I did. I called an audible in the show sheet. I moved down to the. I moved down to the to the Melvin Gordon thing because we were talking about the Patriots. I was like, we got to get this in there. I hate going back and circling back to the Patriots. No, I was so happy you did that because it was just, it kind of just rolled right into it. Rolled right into it. Who's the, who's the, who are the other running backs in Denver? It's Javante it's, Williams. That's yeah, it's, it. not, it's not like they have Kevin Harris there. It's not like they drafted no. Pierre Strong. Exactly. That offense is way better too. That, I, that Patriots offense is going to be the, is going to be the slowest run heaviest offense i agree i am out on the patriots in the in the most out way like when you thought bill belichick couldn't get any worse he goes out and drafts two two stud it's running a giveaway backs. bro it's a giveaway what his true intentions are his true intentions he wants to reprise the the 87 giants the 86 giants he wants to he wants to restructure the uh the bills game from last year what was it like 40 something attempts on the ground or he wants oj anderson back there <laughs> you know that's what he wants and dave meggett that's hilarious that's what, he's, what he wants i know it i think that the only thing that was holding him back was brady we know now we now know brady loves to play fast and throw yep we didn't know that until now he's in tampa that's his we know his true intentions uh i think mcdaniels was forcing him to throw a little more than he wanted to lat in the you know since brady left and now there's no one left to keep him in check his 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 you know, his instincts, his worst instincts, his primal instincts are going to take over. Yep. It's going to be just run, run, run. All right. I'm, I'm fired up, man. Let's do this. Cole Strange. <laughs> Cole Strange. I don't know if we're going to get to ADP movers. We'll see. That's fine. Yeah. I'm going to be like learning along with everybody else exactly all the details because I've, I've, you know, we've talked, but you know, I, you have to do, you have to take, have multiple reps before you understand how things work. You can work. just lead me into it and then I'll talk about it. All right, so I'm just going to improvise this. Okay, I'm going to tweet it right now. Okay. All right, it's been tweeted. Let me share it on the full-time. Once I share it on full-time, rock and roll. Okay, shared. Good to go. Okay, so we'll go live. Your your hair is so much better than mine. Get the, you got no, it. No gel in it today. It's all styled. You know, mine was really lame right out of the shower. Yeah, we're going live. Whoosh. We're live, baby. With a brand new show. Ooh, 
brand new show, The Dominator. What is The Dominator? The Dominator? The D- Dominator? That's right. What's this, Billy? This is a new show, man. This is a, a high-stakes show, a partnership. I, I'm excited. Are you excited? Billy, I'm so excited, man. I mean, this is, this is going to be amazing. Take advantage, everybody. He's in there. You can do it. Schedule talk. How about that schedule talk? How about them Cowboys? Bill Belichick's new playbook is like A gap left, A gap right, B gap left, B gap right. You can write that down. You know what? Everyone can be a track star one year. We were just in Vegas for the draft. I mean, I want to go back. We were in the stadium swim. Like, we're going to be back. Before you know it, Vegas, you thought you were rid of me. You can do it. I helped to coin the term Hero RB. You know that. Are you asking us questions? Go to Alabama under Nick Saban, get top 10 draft capital. I'm the podfather, man. I'm running a sprawling enterprise. The next question is from Billy M. This team could very well be fucked this year. Subliminal messaging, subliminal messaging. I know, it's just sex. Billy, I'm so excited, man. I mean, this is, this is going to be amazing.